we're like twins now, man. What's going on? <laughs> I know, right? Well, I specifically asked not to get the uh, Eric Burke, but uh, it, it was you, made, you know? <laughs> wow. I didn't realize I had such a far reach. I made it all the way out there to uh, Colorado with my uh, with my style here. Okay. All right. Yeah. What's um, going on, man? Not too much. I don't know. Let's see. Um, Doing a great job. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Same old stuff as usual, I think. Uh, yeah, they're uh, Justin uh, Julian. We got uh, we got a bunch of people in the chat, and Justin Julander was in there, and they were saying that uh, Reptile Fight Club is their new favorite podcast. And nice. um, yeah, it was good. That's a, that's a good one. Those guys do a good job, you know. So uh, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to this one, but the topic looks super fun. So I'm definitely excited. I wonder which side that. Uh, Justin took. I'm not going to root it for you, but uh, okay. they did get a little. Uh, I don't want to just get again. I think what he's you know nine and nine and one or something like that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, I think Justin might have pulled this one out too, but uh, I don't know. You be the judge. Um, oh, I just meant the, the coin toss where he gets to pick what he's going to talk about, and Chuck's always sitting there going, uh, "You're taking my side again." Ah. Uh, Chuck puts up a good fight. Uh, you know, so much of the time, right? They actually agree, uh, kind of had this, had the same perspective. So it's more about the form of the thing and kind of talking yeah. through the the stuff. You know. Yeah, I do. I do like that. It 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 brings. You know, I, I know that everybody probably thinks like it should be a. Uh, you know, like people should be yelling and screaming at each other. I guess that's the culture of today. But um, like they do it in a way that makes you. Uh, at least think about the other side, you know? Um, I, I think that's why I enjoy it so much. It's, it, it makes you, if you, if you can listen to it with an open mind, you, you could possibly, uh, you know, change your opinion at the end of the, at the end of the thing. But the whole monoculture thing, it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I've struggled with that myself because, you know, do you just do carpets? Ha <laughs> ha See that? <laughs> He's got the uh, the Eric Burke special there, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, it's mean, a good one. Is that talking about what you know? Again, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to hear it yet either, but or hear it yet. But uh, is it in the concept of in the hobby generally, or is it kind of more specific to you as think- one particular keeper? I think they were talking about sort of the hobby too, sort of uh, um, the whole, you know, uh, ball pythons being, you know, a, a huge dominant, thing, dominant right? thing in the in the hobby. Leopard gecko or you know, crested geckos. Get all like Owen on me here. What the, the, the odd, inappropriate singular. Leopard gecko, crested oh. gecko, <laughs> python. Oh man, he's rubbing off on me. What the hell? Right. <laughs> But my um, room of python. Uh, <laughs> my boa. No, boa. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what he says. Cobra. Not bo- yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. It was it was uh it was a it was a good one for sure. Um I think uh I don't know, in my opinion, I think Justin was kind of like uh making some some good points and kind of, you know, I don't know, got uh Chuck a little flustered maybe. You can, you can hear him like, oh, shit, Justin's winning again. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
But uh, I did get, uh, real quick, I did get a cool book in the mail. And uh, it's signed, and yours is signed too. And it's on your way. But uh, Lizards of Australia by uh, Scott and Ty Hyper. Um, very cool book, man. Very, very cool. Um, lots of cool lizards in Australia. As you know, I have the lizard bug now. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, so interactive. So much to, I think it is kind of that hands off, you know, obviously the dark frog keepers have known this for a long time, right? The, the joy of setting something up so you can enjoy just watching it do what it does rather than having to interact with, you know, rather than grab it and hold it and stress it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, actually, I got a couple of cool books. Um, I got this, uh, nice. uh lizards of Australia three geckos and uh remember uh we were we yeah. were talking about those and what is, what is that <laughs> uh this There's is a, a cool one thing. yeah monitors that's a cool book i know you have this one but i picked it up uh yeah so that's a cool gunter schmida yeah so many great Gun pictures. gunter schmida yeah man the photography in this book is amazing um yeah really cool and then of course that one yeah is cool. Is that a book on yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't cool. have the gecko one out yet, though, but still, all good. Tons of stuff to read. Uh, yeah, man. Um, do you were those printed? Those are print to order, right? Or, um, as opposed to being like shipped from Australia or whatever, right? On the, the Gunter ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they do it to order, right? You know, you go on and, um, yeah, you sort of order it and then they print it up. Uh, what is that, Eric? Does the book have a cool piece on Aussie water dragons? Um, which one? The Australian dragon ones? Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's one of the most iconic lizards, I think. And uh, uh, let's see. I don't know. Yeah, it's got. Uh, it's got quite a bit on frillies. So, oh, from Ebo Scots, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, Scott's is sort of the the Scott and Ty's book is kind of like um, it kind of gives you like an overview of the species, if you will. You know, um, kind of just it's a little more little, right designed to be little, something you can take in the field, especially in that kind of it's not quite pocket sized or whatever, and you can yeah take it and distinguish stuff. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But uh, still, still a good resource for sure. Yeah, you know, stumble upon a species like chameleon geckos, man. I I, <laughs> I, I was talking to you about them and like, what an interesting gecko, man. They're just wow, they're just so different looking, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, and I know Zoolander has seen that. I think certainly he's seen him once, but I, I don't know if he saw him on a separate trip as well. But uh, we were at the the spot, uh, a spot for him. Um, didn't not we weren't there at night though so i think that was kind of the the downer on that and then just on the australian herpetoculture podcast right they were talking and they were talking to jake many uh i know the well i'm quite confident that the spot that he was talking about where they saw just a whole heap of them um is gonna either be the spot that we were at or uh another of the spots that justin went to it certainly was in that immediate vicinity uh, Justin said he saw him on two trips. Lucky. 
Yeah, there are some being bred in the U.S. That's what I, I somehow I saw that and I was like, wait, these are in the U.S. Wow, that's pretty cool. Right, um, it seems like small numbers and stuff, but um, yeah, sure. And again, the first thing with that is always, you know, what counts as expensive for a gecko compared to what I mean. There's to me, they're expensive, but what counts, you know, the the scale, the relative scale, going back to the ball python thing, uh, what counts as expensive is nothing like sort of the morph python thing from a decade ago. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, they, uh, I would say they're probably what in the... Uh, I think like something like five grand a pair or something, maybe yeah. a little bit more than that. What is it, Carp Carpodactylus? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, Carp. Uh, oh, Lavis. Yeah. Lavis. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm in between glasses. The far away ones don't work, mm -hmm. and the close up ones don't work. <laughs> yeah. Probably around 10k a pair. Whoa! Oh shit! Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. What I was saying just off, somehow I saw one of the Canadian import exporters or something was had some from Europe, and I think they had said something like sixty five hundred or something, and that was a, a year or two ago. So wow, yeah, I mean they're they're definitely still uh, a pretty penny for sure. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I I, I don't know. For now, I'll just enjoy reading about them. But uh, such a, such a, I don't know, such a weird. It's got like long legs and yeah, it's kind of like a knobtail. But yeah, I don't know, just crazy, cool stuff though. But yeah, definitely. They uh, some some similarities in body form to the Cerdidactylus. I don't think they're particularly related, but just the long slender form with them. And then the tail, right? So if the the tail makes a noise when it breaks off, I don't know if it talks about that in the book, but I, I, I know Justin has told us about that. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, let's see, toes and claws, uh, shelters day and leaf, terrestrial sits upside down. Yeah, disregarded regenerated tail makes loud squeaks while original tail does not. <laughs> That's weird. Oh, well, okay. The most basal species of their group. Yeah, I guess it would look like that. I don't know, man. So many, uh, when you start opening up uh, to other species, um, I think it's uh, it's interesting what, how much you miss, you know? Uh, yeah how much that like you don't even pay attention to because you're so focused again, that monoculture brain of like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm only focused on this one thing. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I tend, I often admire people that are so focused on one thing. Um, I've been both ways in my reptile keeping, uh, journey, I guess. But, um, I think the most fun is when you have a variety, um, you know yeah there's probably a sweet spot number right which is yeah. more than one but less than 20 <laughs> 15 yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i guess it becomes difficult when you're working with different species from different and type environment types and stuff and you know uh all that kind of stuff so it uh it can make it tricky for sure but uh yeah 
cool yeah we were uh so we're gonna be doing the uh the black-headed python natural history show tomorrow me and lucas are, are gonna be recording it so it'll be out tuesday but um we were going through uh last night um just i don't know where we um you know it, it's it's so cool to look back and like when you know where you found like the area you found it and you can like google it and look on google maps and sort of see like oh yeah i remember that oh yeah and you know watching video and whatnot it was it was pretty cool man i was uh i was definitely uh missing all our australia trip and how cool <laughs> that uh it's the rock that i guess i think justin's hanging from it in the carpet python book right he's he's sort of uh hanging off the edge of it and it makes him look like he's mountain climbing or whatever. Right. And then in reality, it's just like this, uh, this rock that he's sort of just like sitting on or something, but, uh, it's cool, cool stuff, but yeah, it yeah. should be good. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, well, that was just such a crazy night, right? Because it, that was the own Pelly night, you know, on the yeah. way so it's, you were saying where, uh, yeah, Ubiri. Well, Scott says it's Ubiri. Yeah, and I comes from, but uh, that's how you say it. Um, the uh, we're already, you know, just sort of distorted, right? You're on tilt in the Owen Valley. So, um, mm -hmm. you were saying, <laughs> oh, where was? And it's like, well, that may be a fairly broad range, but uh, it certainly was. That's you know where it was, and then you had a northern brown snake to the mix, and boy, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was quite a night, man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the notion, right, from a kid or whatever, that it's like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to have a four-hour window in which you're going to see an Owen Pelly Python and then a blackhead. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The stuff uh, reptile and, I mean, people that's dream of. the most common place to see them, right? You know, in terms of um, – you know, obviously, Owen Pellies, they live in a very particular place, whereas blackheads are have a very broad range. But that particular spot, certainly they're found there. It's not to say that they're not, but uh, they're not in a particularly high concentration or density. Or I know right in the when, before we went the first time, we're framing the conversation of, well, where you always are trying to, if you're looking for a certain thing, trying to go to the place where that's most likely to happen. And certainly you would not say that about blackheads, you know in the in the yeah, darwin area right. maybe say you're at you i know justin and nick and all um saw one there but for the most part i think you'd say eastern queen you know kind of the, not far north queensland but yeah. on the way there is all the way down Where to we, uh, charters towers and stuff the range of charters towers up to through the tablelands where were we going when we on the first trip and we got we got skunked out by the fires what was that? Where where were we headed for that? Because that was we were going to look for blackheads and pygmy bandits. Pygmy right? bandits, yeah. yeah. Um, on the just basically on the road up to Cooktown. Cooktown, okay, yeah, that's right. I mean, not quite that far, but just that stretch when you're you know inland on that road. Right, right. It's actually cool. the area right where I think um, where Ricky McKenzie is. I think he's up that way. So and you see him post blackheads with some regularity and stuff like that so that's really kind of the habitat of that that area yeah they're like uh uh i guess it's like uh i don't know it just reminds me of like a dry type of woodland environment is what i think of when i think of those guys um but uh yeah cool stuff for sure can't wait to uh, uh hmm. 
star four years primarily uh gavin all three different times of the year only found three blackheads on the road wow yeah i mean i as i said that well you still you still saw three right you know but relative <laughs> to the, the ratio meaning that they're there but the ratio is very low yeah um compared to yeah over kind of that mount malloy type you know yeah yeah yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. Yeah, or out west, right? I guess there are more. Uh, I think that's you, you hit it right, or you don't. But you know, I th- more hit and miss. But certainly, and some beautiful ones over in that Port Hedland area, and all about that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, yeah. Uh Carpet Fest. What about mm-hmm. Carpet Fest? Northwest Carpet Fest, September eighteenth, I believe it is. Um. Wheeler high. <laughs> He's wheeling. Um, yeah, man. What else? What else is new with you? Uh what's the what's the collection doing? What uh what you been up to? Uh not too much, man. You know, the same same stuff as ever. Got the Saflavis that's uh showing good signs and stuff. So that'd be pretty cool. Um yeah. Yeah. certainly excited about that. But uh yeah, I don't know. Otherwise trying to look at trips and thing, you know, look at the Arizona stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, eating lizard. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. That's awesome. So much cool experience and stuff. That it's really kind of blows my mind, right? We can have a, uh, the opportunity to have a live chat like this and get this sort of instant feedback from around the world. And <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy, now, right? right? Where we can't physically have that that contact and communication and stuff. So it's it's super cool. Yeah. Uh, Bees Creek. Okay. All right. That's awesome. <sighs> Um, and I was going to say, yeah, it was funny. So I haven't actually finished the show. You guys just, you did whatever last, last week with Nick, but, uh, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of the, you know, the chatter through with the Australia stuff and all that. And definitely, definitely is exciting. You know, it's always, I'm with you. Well, so I guess the thing that I would, you know, put out into the world for my own sake or whatever is as much as you missed out on not going, you know, you were saying, oh, I, three times that I missed out or whatever. Um, yeah, there's some, I'll come back to that one second, Taryn. Um, the, um, you know, as much, as much as that's true, well then it wouldn't have been the group that went, right. You, it wouldn't have been you, me and Celine that went the first time. And then it wouldn't have been, you know, obviously Owen and Keith with us the, the second time. So it's one of those where it's, uh, and then we missed out on this one, right. Going with, uh, Justin Justin and Riley, you know, which would have been, its own different thing. Yeah. So I think every trip's different in that way. You're going to, even when you're going to the same place, I know Chris kind of, you know, I'm sure would feel that way. having been there before that that was his second time to the spot. I'm sure it felt very different being a different group of folks. And then, you know, kind of each is its own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super interesting. hundred percent. I, yeah, it's, uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I, 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 I guess, I guess what I should have probably said is that I wish that our group would have been going earlier. <laughs> Not necessarily uh, do I want to go on that crazy trip that they went on the Cape York trip, right. man. That sounded like, uh, I don't know. It was fun, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's always, you got to, right? What do we always say? It's sort of the zen of the whole thing. You have to enjoy the process and, and do the best you can. You can make bad choices more than you can make uh, good choices and yeah. just do the best you can and. Yeah, Nathan, uh, yeah, we're super excited. I really liked the show you did on uh, THP, and I, I heard uh, 
you know, heard that and heard, he said a couple of really interesting things there. And he said something interesting in the chat there. We'll have to chat offline. I know we're, we're trying to plan a trip for uh, a little bit later here and we'll, uh, yeah, we'd love to meet up or chat through it or whatever can be made to work and, you know, get, get some insight. That's always good. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, Arizona should be a blast for sure. You know, uh, but uh, I think I think it's kind of I think in a way I kind of feel good that um, we sort of were forced to take a break from Australia because it sort of like made me spend the time sort of thinking about everything that I'm seeing rather than just looking for pythons, you know, like yeah. getting appreciation for, you know, the whole thing, if you will, uh, you know, from right. all the, the wildlife. Notice. The funny thing to me is there are so many things that are presented as ubiquitous, right? Like Burton's legless lizards and pi all the, all those sorts of things, which are all things that I would love to see and are, you know, presented as just being crawling all over the place uh, in maybe the same way as the stenotis and stuff. And we haven't, we've yet to see those. So I'm yeah, uh, excited for, excited for that possibility. Sorry to hear that, Darren. Yeah. I mean, well, it doesn't give much hope for us getting to Australia. If, um, <laughs> know, the right? Australians can't go amongst the different states and territories, or at least there's restrictions, right? Yeah. Hang on particular ones to, to others and things. 2023, man. I, I'm going to try to pull yeah, off right. a, a full solid two weeks, man. It's like solid two weeks. They will see what, I, what I can do. So I think I you know. just got to do more like to me, I, I still think the plays, the eight, I know Justin is a big proponent of the, the extended venture, but I I think at some point you start to flag, you know, and then maybe if you go to a different spot or whatever, it's, you know, boosting that enthusiasm. But if it's sort of six of one, half dozen of the other, I think it's just, well, you just, you go twice, you know, you go twice for eight days, you know, and do, yeah. and do different places and you kind of mix it in. It doesn't always have to be the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that has its benefits too, once. man. <laughs> you know, I guess it's like that whole uh, monoculture uh, month long. Oh, shit, man. I would love that. Oh, man. Take a whole month off. I'd have to retire. Me and you are right up there, Justin. We're almost there, man. The light at the end of the tunnel, man. It's it's almost there. Uh, I think Justin has some pretty good uh, uh, PTO or FTO situation relative to pretty much everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I could take off a month. I'd probably have to retire. Oh, yeah, I mean, you could, you'd could, you be off permanently at that point. Yeah, I could take off the whole year, man. I'm living in the outback for sure. No no worries. Uh, but, uh, you got nothing to come back to. Nobody's paying you, but... Uh, <laughs> right on. Oh, man, yeah, that would be great. So, But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you take what you can get. But, uh, yeah. And then uh, to Darren's comment from earlier, right, when he was talking about Bee Creek and then saying it's down by Barry Springs, that that's a super interesting area that I'd, I'd like to hear more about. We went down that way on the, the way out to Cox Peninsula to give that a look, um, but we were kind of mistimed in the day, and we were, I forget, yeah, I think we just then wound up back and did the gardens again and stuff like that. Uh, just it seemed a little bit... A lot of private property going there, it seems like. A little bit limited access and stuff. So I'd be super curious to hear uh, from Darren at some point. Um, I know the Primordius, right? There's really pocketed around Berry Springs. So um, that was sort of the thought process. And I'm sure there's a either a specific habitat type or place or something. Um, but in terms of access to that, 
area. I'm not uh, not totally clear. We did try and try and give it a look. That's where we ran into the power line employees, Eric, if you remember. remember yes. Those guys and they were, yes. I mean, they were super uh, sweet, but they were definitely like, what in the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. They're not from around here. Hey, that's, that's perfectly clear. And what right. they could possibly do, be doing out here is uh, a mystery. They're going, that's funny. We were talking to some other folks in either, I think in that area. And they were like, oh yeah, I've never even been out there. Yeah. It's different habitat. And yet lots of mango farms out there. Some we went down that way. We went to the water, but again, that it just seemed very restricted access. Yeah. So I think there, and it was sort of, it felt like we were just a little bit off from maybe where we were supposed to be or how it was supposed to go. Uh, and we couldn't figure it out. And we, as I said, chatted up these, uh, electric, you know, electrical line workers and they were just like, uh, I don't even come here. I'm just randomly here today. <laughs> yeah, they just sent me here. <laughs> you guys showed up here on purpose. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, that's cool. Um, so uh, I would uh, I would make this uh, announcement. I guess I guess we can sort of make it now. Um, I was waiting for it to come up on Apple, but um, Colubrid and Colubroid Radio is. Uh, is up on Spotify and Google. Uh, we're just waiting for it to, to pop up on Apple, but um, it's basically like NPR for colubrids. Um, so uh, it should be pretty cool because the two people that are uh, hosting uh, the show are um, a wealth of information when it comes to colubrids. Uh, you got uh, Dr. Zach Lofman and then you got Matt Most. Um, both of them have been on NPR, but uh, I think I wasn't there for the Matt episode. Uh, that was you and Owen a while back. Uh, what's his, uh, what is it? Sarp, uh, Sarpamitra. Sarpamitra. Yeah, that's it. Is his thing. He does like a lot of like Asian uh, colubrids and stuff, right? Am I right on that? Like, Yeah, I mean, he has a whole host of different things. He's even got some North American stuff. He does projects. Um, he does like rare stuff, partly guess, and right? with Stan Grumbach and stuff. so, right. so they have, I think that's a lot of with, uh, Clint is a lot of, um, North American stuff that Matt's into. And, uh, his daughter has, um, likes corn snakes and stuff. So they have a handful of that stuff. And then, yeah, a lot of Asian stuff and then some kind of weird off the wall African stuff. He's got those, uh, black file snakes. snakes and stuff, file snakes. Yeah. yeah I remember um, I did listen to the, the first episode. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, people just check it. I, even if you don't do a Spotify thing, just give it a listen on there. It's uh, it's definitely worth uh, worth a listen. It's really cool. They both know so much. And yeah. really, uh, you know, we're chatting well together. And I, I think it's great. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. It was, it was just, it was pretty cool that, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm editing it, I'm like, oh, okay, wow. I can't believe they're actually doing a podcast here. It's sort of like Justin and Chuck and like, oh, okay. Wow. The, we got, uh, we got a pretty good crew, man, uh, of, uh, podcasts going on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, man. You just have to get Warren on a BOA show. That's the one that I keep pitching, but, uh, we just haven't made it work or figured it yeah. out. But, uh, other than Bowers, that, Bowers, each, Bowers, right? every each show you keep saying is the last show, but uh, I don't know. And then like another to, one comes up. <laughs> I'd like you to get that one in before you, you know, keep shutting the door on it. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that would be it. And then you and then you also have uh, Nick is is working on his. Oh thing, yeah, Nick's uh, thing, yeah, which will be super cool. And then maybe that could be it. You know, yeah. I don't have anything else in mind at this point. So. Yeah, that 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 would kind of that kind of covers the gauntlet of uh, of pretty much everything. Except turtles, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just uh, you know, turtles are cool, but yeah, I, I don't think that's. I don't know. Yeah, I not think my... at some point, you, you say enough is enough, and there's other voices as to that stuff, and even the the Amphibicast, right covers uh, is a cool show. Uh, I don't know who the guy is. Uh, I don't know that he's ever really said, but he's up in what Long Island. Um, cool guy. He's done fifty some odd episodes, so worth a listen yeah. to. Not. Not affiliated, but worth a listen. Yeah, the other uh, cool thing that we have uh, coming up is um, next Saturday we're going to be talking um, Aki's and uh, Kim Kim Kimberly Rocks with um, Mike Stefani from Mike's Monitors uh, nice. on NPR. Uh, so that'll be cool. Um, you know, Mike's knowledgeable and super fun. He's just yeah. like the most fun-loving dude. It's yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, uh, I just find it funny how that whole thing happened. Like you were, you were, you were yeah, hitting like or whatever. Reached out to you know somehow either I would just, I think I had reached out to him, and then he wound up being the guy who you know sent into the NPR message, and I happened to see it, and then you're separately talking to him, and he's like, "Man, these guys don't know what the heck they're doing." But <laughs> you know, proven that not to be the case. But. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's something that um, uh, I, I I'm going to be adding a couple things to the collection, and uh, that is actually one of them. So uh, yeah, man. I'm super excited for you. At some point here, I'll have to get some again myself. They're um, you know certainly my favorite Odatria, and uh, along with Merton's, my favorite overall monitors. But the 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 care package, so to speak, involved with taking care of a Kim is a lot less than a Merton's <laughs> for sure. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, you know, that speaks to Mike, right? He's doing both those things uh, crazy yeah. well. And it seems like he's just, you know, he'll get something and next thing you know, he's turning it around. Either that or he's was holding out on us, but uh, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like it's, you know, he's oh, just man. going out, he's getting these things. And next thing you know, they're taking off for him. Yeah, I thought it would be cool to, uh, you know, I know he's been, he did, he did the monitor podcast um, uh, a couple times and um, it, it's been cool, but um, I think, I think this approach is like, I kind of, I kind of sold it to him. Like, you know, I want it to be from uh, a snake person's perspective that's maybe, you know, gun shy about getting into uh, a dwarf monitor type thing and, um, you know, what, uh, what you need to be successful with that. Right. So I think I'm probably going to ask those questions that, uh, maybe the, uh, the monitor guys sort of, uh, you know, gloss over or not, not in right. a bad way, but you know, you know what I mean? It, it, to them, it's like, Oh, this is just secondhand. Like, this is just the easy stuff, you know? So. Uh, right. I think it, that's totally right. I, you know, I like the monitor podcast. I, they've, there's a ton of great content that they're putting out there. But it, I mean, man, it's heavy because it's like it's got me thinking the whole time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it, is if I'm sitting there going, OK, I have to really pay attention. And then it's really spurring me to have these additional thoughts and ideas and concepts and things. And if you're if you don't have a ton of experience, it it could very easily go over somebody's head. So, yeah, I think it, it makes total sense to have uh, the approach yeah. to saying, hey, Mike, we're going to 
go, you know, you, you really did that with Alan, right. When he was on a handful of yeah. weeks ago where it's yeah. like, okay, don't assume, don't assume I know anything. Let's really walk through it and, and all that stuff. And I think both have their place. Uh, but certainly until you guys build up the, either the knowledge in yourselves or in terms of the really getting connected with the, the monitor community that exists and grow working to grow that community of the, the niche, right. Nipper is that, uh, the, you know, we have, have here in terms of the monitor podcast, if we're coming in at that super kind of, you know, graduate level course, you know, of ideas, as opposed to really, you know, walking through it step-by-step, step, it has a ton of value to, a very few people. It's, I know Mike, right, is a huge proponent of the show. He loves the show. Yeah. Um, but that's because, I mean, you're talking about somebody in Mike who really understands monitors and knows it really well. And that, so, yeah, I'm all for it. But simultaneously, we got to get people to that point. And it, it involves asking questions that, um, you know, maybe seem obvious to somebody who has kept monitors a long time. Yeah, I think, I think uh, they're so different than keeping a snake, you know. Um, their care, their daily care, their, you know, um, the, uh, just the requirements as far as, uh, you know, heating is, is just completely foreign, uh, to a snake keeper. Um, right. you yeah, know, the temps that you're going for, how you're achieving it, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. to, to Doc Julinder's point, right. Uh, it was funny. I think I was listening. I didn't make it all the way through, but yet, yeah, but, uh, the last carpets and coffee, you guys were joking about uh brett's magic shed right it seems that's you know, bigger on the inside you know it's the tardis it's bigger on the inside um but when you first said it i thought you were just going to say that he has incredible success with everything that he puts in the shed that's how yeah. i took it when you first said it. it wasn't the size i was like oh yeah just that brett is doing awesome with literally everything and that's yeah I thought you meant by magic, but in truth, it's both. Kind so. of that too. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was that was part of it. But yes, yeah, it seems like uh, whatever he uh, touches, uh, he seems he's hey, sort of like Mike. Work, you know? man. Yeah. yeah, it's like rough scales and 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 golems. Oh, you know, they all this struggle, and I know you know there have been struggles to it or whatever. But uh, yeah, man, so much great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm 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 excited about the uh, the Kimberly, you know, and then uh, uh, I'm going to be getting uh, some some pygmy pythons from uh, from Justin to sort of you know round out the uh, Antaresia thing, and uh, I've had a bunch of snakes that sort of left, some some that are about to leave, um, right. so. So yeah, it's uh yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's definitely different than I was maybe five years ago, uh, where I was sort of more focused than all which is you know it's interesting when i listen to justin and chuck on the reptile fight club it's like i've been in both perspective which i think a lot of people have and i think that maybe um i think that's the thing right I, I i don't know what you think about this but i think a lot of times the thing that happens in the hobby is we're all sort of on different levels at different times you know um and like you have these people that are just coming in and they're they're crazy about the morphs because, you know, I mean, I think about the morphs and I think about this picture. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to share it real quick just because, uh, hold on. Let me, uh, get my, uh, share button here. But, um, when you look at that group <laughs> of carpets, <laughs> man, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, just when you look at that orange and then the white and I, you know, I, it's just, it's nuts that, you know, so I, I totally get why 
somebody <clears throat> that is coming into it is looking at that and 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 being blown away you know yeah. um, especially from a carpet python point of view since you know australians call them crappits because mm. of uh, you know but you know, and then and then i look at what scott has on his back porch and uh <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh man, I would, I would love to, uh, to, to wake up to that every, every day and, and see, uh, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. That, <laughs> you know, just out on your, on your steps. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, the, the kind of the entirely, it's different shades of gold and purple, you know, mixed yeah. together. Yeah, man. And that's just sure. the, you know, the critter that's hanging out on the back porch. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wild, but, um, uh, stop sharing. There we go. Okay. Um, but I think, I think that, uh, you know, you go through stages and you, and you, you, you grow and you change and you evolve and everybody's at a different point in that evolution of yourself. You know, a lot of people, you know, they want to keep everything and then they find that thing that they like. And maybe for a while they're in that mono type of mindset and they dial that in and then they add something else and then they find that they they like that i know me and you have talked a million times about the whole idea of trying different species yeah. out there's nothing wrong with you know saying that i thought that would be cool but it's not for me you know so uh, right. i just kind of move on from it you know um, i was having the same thought process right as you just as you were talking there even relative to morphs right that it's like you know i, I think it's we often make you know, we, we're led astray, right, when we say definitively that uh, this is the right way, this is the wrong way, you know, and, and don't recognize even the instances in ourselves where we've changed our mind, right? Uh, you know, yeah. where you look at it and be like, oh, yeah, at one point, you know, I, I, these were the cool thing, you know, and I was, I liked them too, you know, and that inspired me to get involved with it. And I liked him or I found that I, I sort of didn't or I liked these ones, didn't say, you know, not these other ones, or however it goes, right? But uh yeah, I, I do think that's why it's never a good idea to write write to say things definitively that very clearly don't have a definitive answer. Which yeah. Is yeah, yeah, you know, you know how we try hard to avoid that uh, at all costs, but uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's just shorthand. So I think most of the time, even not, not even. I mean, sometimes, right? It's sort of maybe political, you know, so to speak, right? And it's sort of the. Yeah. There's the an agenda behind it for the most part i think it's just well it's complicated to say well usually but not always and actually i know 10 exceptions myself you know or whatever right. whether amongst others or even amongst myself it's easier to say nobody does that yeah <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. longer i i talked for 10 seconds and didn't even make sense versus you know right three words and right. it's the same idea but also uh there's no subtlety to that and that lack of subtlety means you're going to be inaccurate, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. And now I, I, I never thought years ago that I would be keeping monitors and be interested in skinks right. and all the stuff. It's just, it's kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, but it's, it, I don't know. I, I say this all the time, but you've been banging this drum to me for years now. I mean, it seems like years where you're saying, you know, cut the collection down and, you know, pick what you really like and work with that and enjoy it and observe it. And, you know, uh, rather than have all these different animals and tubs that you can't 
you know, really get a feel for, uh, and just know. so much work, you know, honestly, yeah. I don't know to me that, and would, which is fine in and of itself, right? Obviously, you know, the perfect size relative to a, a given person's kind of available time and uh, sure. work ethic and mentality and all this stuff is going to be, there's going to be a huge range across that anyway, but just, I think what we see a lot is folks that just wind up with so much stuff that then they, you know, it's, it's entirely work and they don't want to, they don't enjoy it. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, those are the people, honestly, the, we talk about people burning out. Right. And it's like, I think the majority of people who burn quote burn out and, you know, they wind up having no animals is because they, they had reached that had been past that point for a long time, you know, and, and that's really what it caused them. I think it, it even makes it a little bit easier to sort of burn out when you're working with something because you think you have to work with it as opposed to something that you genuinely enjoy working with. You know, if you enjoy working with it, it doesn't, it's not as hard to feed it every day or change its, you know, cage or, you know, whatever. Um, or deal with it if it's being persnickety or whatever it might be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I know the, the thing that always jumps to mind is I've known several people whose collection was entirely comprised of um, Ganyasoma and scrub pythons. And then meaning to true Ganyasoma. Okay. Oxycephala um, mm -hmm. and Jansen I and things. And it's like, if you have 40 snakes, all of which want to kill you and you don't have <laughs> any easy buttons and you know, it's fun to have one or two that, that keep you on your toes or even a handful or whatever. But uh, the notion that your collection is entirely comprised of things that want to kill you, eventually that's going to get old. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, uh, I don't know how Owen does it, but <laughs> he, he uh, you know, how he enjoys getting bit, but, uh, right. Yeah. Now, I, I, I remember when I was hot and heavy in the scrubs and, uh, my room at the time was, it was, it was, way smaller than what I have now. And granted, I didn't have as much, but, you know, just working with a scrub in a small room is just, oh my goodness, man, that's just. Yeah. Just and again, that, if you have one, right, in yeah. that context, and then you have a bunch of stuff, you know, that, that is um, not, uh, not that it needs to be docile or whatever, but it's not sort of the thingy. If every, I guess what I, what I intended to say is if every cage, if you need to steal yourself, to for every interaction that you have and i suppose that's sort of the venomous thing but i would imagine that a lot of venomous keepers keep relatively small collections and work them in sort of a way that they're not getting overly exposed to it and stuff i know terry you know is at work is just always boom, boom boom you know no worries but that's his job you know that's his entire entirety sure. of his focus and even that he's got a routine and that's the way he can do it the way that he does but um just if every engagement with everything you have and it's not your job that's going to be eventually that's probably going to get old. And that's what I've seen it with scrubs and Ganyasoma and stuff that yeah. uh, they're all beautiful and the people really love them. And then they keep too many and then they don't like them at all. You know, they lose the love for this, not even just for keeping them, but like it can turn them off to the species in general. Like they've kind of all lose together. Their, yeah. their, their love for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how I kind of felt with white lips. I just think they suck. <laughs> I just yeah. generally think they suck, you know. I mean, I mean they're gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah, beautiful, beautiful snakes. Um, 100%. amazing snakes. That would be, man, that would be incredible to see in the wild, assuming you could actually see it. You know, if it's not just a leaf litter critter that you're not not even seeing, right. whatever. But 
but yeah, I mean, as a captive animal, they they're not particularly hospitable. <laughs> you know, no, it's like okay, there's a bunch of things that are hard. That yeah. none of the things fit into the box of like, oh well, but at least at least this is convenient, you know, yeah. or this this is fun and enjoyable or whatever. And it's like, no, they don't have anything that fits in that box. Yeah, you know, the struggle I always had with those is like, you know, if you're going to go away on a on a herp well, exactly two weeks, two weeks on those, they're dead. I don't yeah. care where you live, man. Yeah, you know, and I mean, you, uh, could, you could have someone comment, you know, and supplement it. But even then, maybe that what who was it, Nick or was it Ryan? Somebody was talking about that in the context of they did exactly that. Right. They were gone someplace for an extended period of time and they had someone who who came through and was going to um, refill the waters. And somehow that one got missed and it was dead. Yeah. And that's, I mean, obviously everything is at risk, right? If it's without water for an extended period of time or even, but if that, if the definition of expen extended period of time relative to your local conditions and the, the expectations of that snake species is like 12 hours, that's, that's, you're riding the, riding the edge of the razor there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not condoning that you don't give your carpet sure. python water or something like that. 100%. But you know, it's uh, if you uh, if it's a couple it's days, sort of a miracle. <laughs> White lips you know. survive shipping. To be honest with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, um, but uh, yeah, man, it's uh, I I don't know, and 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 the fact that they're so you know unpredictable i will use i guess is the word you know? oh yeah they um, bite to the side they have the it's not uh, not quite like a stiletto snake sort of deal but uh they definitely they a thousand percent they very rarely bite head on they have this right. sort of side swipe thing that they love to do um which you know helps in terms of getting a, a t-speed response on them if you're running the side of the neck and stuff because that's how they naturally want to bite anyway but right. um, at the same time uh, particularly on babies but yeah man not great. Yeah. And that's honestly one to me, the thing, one of the things that's most fascinating in terms of reading the uh, husbandry of pythons and boas by uh, Jerry Marzek and Richard Ross, who we had on the show, the thing that, you know, goes, is just so impressive is their record with white lips, you know, in terms of both gold and black white lips um, from the yeah. 80, you know, late seventies the early nineties, but the notion that they're breeding those things, they've got beautiful pictures of them coming out of eggs. You know, I'm, I, I don't know if there's a baby gold in there, but certainly there's a baby uh, black, you know, baby Southern white lip python. That's uh, right. It's gorgeous. You know, yeah. and it's the notion that that was what, 40 years ago or whatever is uh, so much respect for that because that's fantastic. Yeah. I wonder, um, I don't know. I wonder why people still struggle so much with them in particular. I, I, I tend to think that um, maybe it's a seasonal thing. Uh, it's like they're sort of not hitting it at the right time, so to speak. Um, sure. I don't know. That would be my thought. But I, I guess the whole uh, scrub mentality where they flip from spot to spot to spot. But uh, Yeah, because they're not that enjoyable to keep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's your fundamental problem? Okay, you're probably not getting um, – you know, captive for the most part, at least historically. Now I know it's changing with um, Ryan is kind of the most notable that I'm aware of, you know, having so much success and all that. It, it changes a little bit, but uh, in terms of you're talking about, you know, establishing wild caught specimens of stuff that are tend to run really stressed, you know, are particularly aggressive and are difficult to maintain and then people aren't having success with it. Um, you know, that's, 
I, the recipe is just that they're not easy. And then combined with a lot of, you know, difficulty, right? Just not bringing joy. And right. if you have people that are, if you appreciate, well, this isn't bringing me joy, then I'm just going to move on and do something else. Whereas, yeah, then I have somebody else sitting there going, yeah, but they're worth money, you know, and all this stuff. And then they're just sort of suffering through, but they're not enjoying it. Well, that's not an atmosphere that's going to bode well to producing those things either. So I think they're hard. And that's, you know, that that's yeah. it. And, you know, gotcha yeah, you- just so passionate that his passion overcame the fact that they kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 To Doc Julinder's point, right? You know, Chuck with the, the Holmes and stuff, a species close to my heart that I've had a ton of. And I had, uh, you know, got a little bit close once, but, you know, man, the success that Chuck is having, that OKC Zoo, you know, has had, that, you know, now Dennis has one of those and all that stuff. It, I think that will only improve, but Chuck's effort speaks to it more than more than anything. It's, it's exactly that. It's someone needs to be that passionate. And shoot, even I remember if you go back back far enough in the history that what the day we were leaving Brisbane on our first trip, I'll never forget it. Right? Was yeah, day, yeah, I remember. <laughs> well, at least to what we were a day ahead of it, you know, in theory. But it was happening contemporaneously that the OKC babies were hatching out the first captive bred ones, you know, and then the next year Chuck has some. And all along we were kind of saying that it seemed like the sort of thing that as soon as someone proved that it was possible, then it would become much more common. And that, yeah. that it's not much more common, but much, much more compared to nothing, I suppose. But, uh, you know, Chuck's yeah. is, is the perfect thing, but shoot, I remember us chatting about those five or six years before when I still had quite a few and all that. And yeah. it's like, there are good and bad days. It can just suck some days, you know, and, and on something, that's the other thing, right, man. I, love uh, all the podcasts social media instagram seeing all these cool pictures whether it's field herping or captive though man i I don't know that we're socially equipped to to handle what happens there if you're if you're somebody like you know chuck or myself and you're sitting there and it's like well i i'm really kind of focused on these small handful of things and it's not uh you have years with nothing literally you know with the solomon island tree bows right it took me five years well and now i've added this will be adding a third year to that. So I'll have uh, worked with those animals for eight years um, right. with a group that I probably have 35 to 40 um, s- snake years in this group that I have now, uh, 35 to 40 snake years of experience with that species. And I've produced exactly one litter, you know? That's and, no you know, and I learned a ton out of it. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, yeah, sure. They dropped on 205 days after after the shed and all the, you know, well, they're funny about faking it. Um, in terms of, you know, all they do, they're very, that's its own kettle of fish, so to speak, right? But the, yeah. the point would be that, you know, I go through all, all this stuff and sure, yeah, there was 200 likes on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know, and people were like, okay, cool, on the, the first day, and then that's it. So it's like, well, I hope it was worth it intrinsically because, you know, I remember laughing about the fact that at the time Joe Phelan would get more likes for a picture of, you know, an Amel Cornsnake that, you yeah. know, was yeah. one of 10,000 produced in the world that year, and he'd get 1,000 likes. And it's like... Yeah it has to be intrinsically worth it for you because it is, you know, you better be doing it for yourself. 
it's it's funny how that even myself, I remember when we talked about that and I remember I remember having conversations with you on the phone and you're saying like, uh, you know, talking about you don't know when she's going to drop the babies because there's no information. Right. Like there's literally nothing. I, I'm sort of like just winging it, you know, and I don't know if I necessarily at that exact time had an appreciation for what you were saying to me. You know, I heard what you were saying and, and you know, and I'm communicating back and forth, but I, I think for some reason with me, how I how I process stuff is like it takes me like it, something else has to click. And then when that other thing clicks, I go, holy shit, that's that thing that Rob's doing. Like, what the hell? You know, and here I am like, you know, uh, close friend with you and all. And, and you're sort of like saying to me, like, what the hell, man? This is crazy. I'm going to, uh, you know, I think she's grabbing. She's going to or I guess she would be pregnant. Right. And and she's going to drop yeah, the litter. And would it still be grabbing? I, I think guess? so. That's what I say. But okay. yeah, I mean, it was right. seven months of like, it has to be what I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing all these things and that presumably is what it means. But right. again, as, as not to, to not doing that, I think it should just be taken, you know, to me, it was very similar to Chuck's thing. I, I'm not saying other people had read Australis before. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but no, uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just, just in the context of like, even for Chuck's thing, well, he just kept all of them. Right. I don't think even as far as I know, to this day, he hasn't let go of any of them and I don't blame him for it. You know, and it's sort of the same deal with the Australis where it was like, well, there's not even a financial reward because it was just like, well, now I've got to get them started and see how they do and learn, you know, that process on its own and, you know, do all those different things. So it's, you have to enjoy it for the, for the process. And that doesn't mean that you'll love it every day. I guess that was sort of the thing that had gotten us here, right? Was I know, Chuck and I thought there are good days and bad days because you'll see yeah, man. produced all these cool babies, you know, or, you know, even worse, you see somebody um, working in a big operation where they, they just have all this awesome stuff, right? That's yeah. something's always going, you know, or somebody, Nathan living in Arizona, look at, yeah, I'm sure he's finding awesome stuff. All the Australians, right. Darren, you know, saying, Oh, I, you know, all, all this stuff, that's old hat to me, you know, calling them crap. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a own experience, right. That, it, right kind of define stuff and it's hard but we just have to to do the best that we can to appreciate think, yeah you know i think i think it comes down to that uh that whole thing man if you if you do what you love and and you talk about it in a way that people can appreciate they, they may not want to run out and get that species but like I don't know that that to me that was always the magic of reptile radio you know like and i think you'll agree with me it's like yeah. i never had the i never wanted to keep ball pythons at that point that i was listening to that but i would listen to that show and i would just get little nuggets of information that i could huh you know or i i would be able to uh you know talk talk with other reptile people uh, enough to where you know maybe i could grab their ear when they want to listen to what i have going on with with carpets and you know you know what i mean and it's it's yeah. kind of like the thing that's like um i think if you just sort of uh i don't know I, I i like to listen to uh things that are sort of outside the box but you you have to sort of be doing it for the right reasons and i think sometimes that, at least for me that's kind of easy to see when you know when you see people that are doing that and they're just doing it because you know I, and i get it you know if you're doing it as a job and it's your full-time job you're probably going to be doing things that you might not necessarily get you going you know i think of eugene Bissett, where he used to talk about how much he loved 
Burmese pythons. And yeah. if he had his way, he'd be doing like, uh, right. you know, uh, tons of meat. Yeah, that's what he likes. Yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, he's like producing, you know, corn snakes and, you know, all, all these sure. you know, generic uh, reptiles, if you will. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really just, I guess it depends on which way you're coming at it from. But uh, I think the, 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 and even that can shift over time, right? Yeah. I would betcha, you know, well, Eugene, you know, he's, he's his own bird for sure. But so maybe it's not the case, but in general, right. We see that a lot with people that are similarly situated who then either shift to, they, you know, get rid of everything, you know, they sort of sell the collection and stuff. And a lot of those people, you know, the true diehard folks, they wind up coming back to it either on a small or large scale, you know, even Bill Brandt, right. You know, okay. I'm selling the whole, selling this whole massive infrastructure. And then it's, yeah, but, you know, couldn't stay away for long because you're actually a reptile yeah. person, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and the alternative where it's like, well, that just was a thing that you were doing or whatever. And then maybe those people never keep them again, you know, or their, their life just drives it, drives it away. And, you know, yeah. these different things, it's not a value judgment. It's just saying even amongst, you know, going back to that point that people are not static for sure. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it can be as much as, uh, you know, seeing something in, in the field, you know, I mean, that can yeah. change your whole perspective on, on things too, you know, getting out and seeing a species that maybe, you know, didn't really catch your eye a reptile show per se, but, uh, you know, then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that was so cool. What it was, you know, cause you're seeing it in what it's supposed to do in, in, in the yeah, environment. It's, to do it. it's so awesome, man. Yeah. But, uh, it really is. It's, even stuff, I think that you made this great point, right? That when we go to Tinley and things and you'll see stuff that you're so that's become so normalized, right? But then yeah. you'd see the, the same thing or something that's even sort of, if you wanted to say the more common variant off of, off that same thing. Oh, this isn't even, you know, it's the more common, not, not this obscure species that I'm actually seeing. But if you engage that animal in the wild doing what it's supposed to do and you're just trying to get one, you know, the best picture that you can to, to really, for me, more than anything, you know, it's, heck, you know, it's not even the ability to share that photo. It's the ability to remember it for yourself. And I know Justin feels the same way in terms of the video stuff. And I think that's really cool. That's why it works so well that you're doing video. You know, I'm trying to take pictures and uh, we want Chris, he's taking pictures and all this stuff. I think it, and a lot of even uh, Justin, you know, has taken uh, great landscape shots. He, he loves those. You love those and stuff. And I, I love to to look at that and consume those. I think it's so cool, you know, Yeah. to do that. And you, you just the appreciation of those, heck, those stenotis, the stenotis cagari, right? The brownback skinks on Nerlangi that were uh, copulating. I've never seen another photo. Who the heck knows if anyone has been fortunate enough to see that species copulating in the wild before? Quite possibly yeah, I, no, and then we were then getting a spot to have a picture of it where we can, yeah, we would have seen it either way. But if then we can remember that, and that's so great. I think what I've learned, I've learned this um, sort of herping with you and 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 Keith and Justin. Um, uh, first, with Keith and Justin, is appreciating other things other than the reptiles, right? You know, I've always been Duff. into the environment, but you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Duff. <laughs> yeah, <Erd. laughs> jumping out. But um, the fact that those guys are into birds, 
you know, and it's like, wow, these birds are all over the place and we're not even paying attention to them. And they may be, you know, but then you see it on planet Earth or something and you're like, right. oh, my God, what a cool species. And they're like, oh, shit, I, I, I was watching these things and I didn't I didn't take the time to sort of appreciate what was right in front of me. You know what I mean? Because you're so focused on finding that goal species on a herp trip, if you will. But, um, you know, to, to your point about those uh, skinks breeding, um, I remember you and I remember Keith being so excited about that. But I remember I was so focused on trying to find an Owen Pelly python that it kind of seemed like, ah, who cares about right. this? You know what I mean? yeah. From the, the effort that we should be engaging in, right? This- Correct. And, 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 and I wish, I think that's some of the things, well, I, I, I don't want to say that I want to go back and change that or whatever, because maybe then we wouldn't have found an Owen Pelly python or whatever. Right. You but- wouldn't have been distracted in such a way that let's cause you to leave the phone. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Shit happens for a reason or whatever. But um, I think I think, though, that what I'm learning as and especially herping with you guys is that, you know, appreciating the whole thing, the whole the whole package and like how it experience. And and yeah. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. The uh, organic octo. What do you say? What do you call it? The cosmic octopus, if you will. And how everything the whole thing, everything related. And yeah, you just never know, man. Yeah. You can make bad decisions. You can make consciously poor decisions. You sure. You really yeah. can't make good decisions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Hope for the best. But, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, man. And, heck, even you got – I know with Nick, you know, Nick, for being a guy, I think it's – you know, he's not uh, indulging at this point in life. And that's what makes him so food-driven. You know, he knows all the good stuff. He's just, you know, he's yeah. being a, an ascetic on it so that uh, he's um, – sitting there going oh yeah that burger is in the ice break and you know and all this stuff and it's like yeah it's all good but you know if you just partake it's not as i don't know i don't have the same obsession because i'm just sort of like (laughs) stuff, man i don't know you would be so worried about it yeah (laughs) but it really does it does make the thing you know the only maybe you guys did at the end the only surprise to me was he didn't mention the crock farm i mean you guys kept going in on that yeah i you know, I, I thought about that after the fact, but uh, I wasn't thinking that trip. I was thinking the trip with Salemi and stuff mm-hmm. sort of was at the fourth because he was talking about his trip with Salemi and how they wanted to kill each other, which was just great. Oh, I don't know. I didn't hear that part yet. Okay. Uh, oh, no, you didn't get to that part? Oh, okay. You'll hear it uh, soon enough. But yeah, man, I, I'm with you 100%. Man, that crock parm was awesome. And then I felt kind of weird eating in front of Gavin. And then when Gavin's like, "Oh man, you're you're that's conservation for crocodiles," right. and I was like, "Oh, giddy up," <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, oh but, my goodness! Uh, yeah, well, it's was- the, you know, it's the funny bit too, right? And I, I know we kind of had expressed these views, but I see it uh, the good side of social media, right? It, Daniel Natusha's Instagram and stuff—it's so so fascinating, you know, yeah. and so so awesome that um, he does not have. You know, he has a, a pragmatic rather than a pedantic view on sort of the use of wildlife in, in these in places, particularly in Indonesia, you know, in Papua New Guinea, that it's um, it's so refreshing that it's not, you know, he, he's, he looks at stuff not through through the lens of, well, there's this law written by someone who wasn't, in, you know, who wasn't informed and wasn't concerned with the best interests of the the people who deal with these animals on a day-to-day basis that says you can do X, Y, or Z. And he's just like, no, the practicality of the matter is this, this is what the population can support and, you know, be pragmatic. And that's so, to me, that's so meaningful, so impactful that um, as somebody who studies that he's, you know, recognizes conservation through 
benefit to the local folk, you know, to the people that are implicated. And that's so meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I do uh, quite enjoy watching his uh, post because it's not, it's not even just a picture that he's posting. A lot of times he's put, there's this great narrative story. Associated yeah. With deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, just gives you a whole new perspective and he's experienced things that we could only dream about, you know, seeing and stuff or hope to see one day. Right. Uh, like yeah. That. that you can only get with the, the time and days and effort and, yeah. and sacrifice and stuff that have gone into that. Maybe you could see it once or whatever, but to have the, the context of that requires, requires that effort and even then good fortune, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. So, so that is, that's my recommendation for today. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. everyone on here is already, already subscribed, but give uh Daniel Natusha a follow on Instagram. Oh yeah. You won't, you won't, uh, you won't be disappointed. That's for sure. Yeah, I I found myself. Uh, I fought it. I fought it, man. I fought it. I fought the good fight. I I just find myself finding Instagram uh, the way to go. Um, and the reason that I fought it so hard is because it's so hard to share podcast stuff to right. Instagram. Because you can't do like clickable links, right? In the same way, right? So you have to be up yeah. to whatever it is, ten thousand. Oh, really? There is a way. Even I didn't. I didn't. Even yeah, know yeah. You have to be a content creator, I guess. I <laughs> and then you can have links if you swipe up or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I just find it so much more peaceful. <laughs> you know, it's no. You can no, get less free radicals, man. Less just like you know. Yeah. Just, I am just walking along the path. Hey, it's kind of like walking along a path and then looking up and having a cassowary and a couple of chicks staring back at you. You know, it's just <laughs> a free radical that. Hey, maybe I that one. Hey, I'm friends with, you know, I willingly accepted that person's friend request or I sent it out, you know, maybe I knew what I was getting myself in for, but I still, Hey, I was just meandering down the path. And the next thing, you know, you'll look up and it's ready to go. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It, for the most part, it seems like you don't, you don't get that stuff in the same way where some, they just get blindsided with blindsided with negativity is really what it is. At least that's what drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, you know what was the catalyst for that is that um, using Facebook, I guess, on your computer now, like they uh, they changed the whole way it looks and the format and all this stuff. So it just, I don't know, I just don't like it. So it made it easy for me to just disconnect from it. So like uh, yeah. I, I just find myself more on uh, Instagram as of late than uh, Facebook. I don't even know why we started talking about that, but. Uh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I think probably just, you know, let us, well, so you had mentioned the uh, commercialization of this, you know, conservation through commercialization with the meat and skin and all that stuff, which made me think of Daniel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Down, gotcha. down the rabbit hole. Yep. There we are. <laughs> As always, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, perpetually down that, down that way. I did want to say, want to say, want to say one thing out of the uh, last carpets and coffee, just for your own sake, right? That So the coffee that you love, and this is me being pedantic, is from Timor Leshti. Is so I know it's you know that L E S T E. It's Leshti. Timor Leshti. Leshti. Oh, okay. Leshti. Okay. Yeah, it's you very know you know, not something not a pronunciation that we would intrinsically go for and stuff, but I just wanted to give you the because gotcha. it's your it's delicious coffee. So you, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And all that. So I just wanted to um, hopefully make that a little bit easier going forward. When does the Mark O'Shea episode uh, 
air. Oh, well, I'll probably be finishing that up uh, probably Monday and Tuesday. So probably, I'm not sure if Nipper did his parts yet. Uh, it really depends on that. I would, I'd have to check in and see if uh, his parts are recorded yet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, probably within the next two weeks. That that's some good stuff, man. That yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Woo. Hey, man. You know, that's you gotta tell me when it's dropping so I can be sure to to you know refresh yeah. the, the app right away and go in for it because that's gonna be fantastic. Again, I, I think that um, I'm glad that it, it went really well in terms of talking with him because that's something that man, there's he knows so much that we're gonna have to get him back and again and again and again because it's truly the thing is he loves to talk. He loves to talk, which is I kind of got the feeling that for a while that he didn't, you know, because a lot of people led me to think that um, he doesn't necessarily want to be involved. Yeah, didn't want to come on or whatever. Yeah. But But uh, yeah, yeah, no. uh, Yeah. So uh, having an in, uh, I guess, help with Nipper uh, for sure, you know, Uh, but yeah. yeah, what what a what an awesome guy. He, I think what I might try to do um, is I might try to put the there's a couple parts that I'll have to edit out because um, Nipper and um, uh, you know, they were saying stuff about work and, and stuff like that 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 necessarily can't be out. Right, the, just engaging in a, in a you know. Get yeah. in their conversation. Nothing to do with snakes or whatever or anything. But uh, anyway, um, I might edit it out and kind of put Marco Shea's sort of um, interview, if you will, or, or a couple chunks of it um, because over in the Patreon thing for uh, for the Patreon uh, people. Right, to, rather to than being out, parsed listen. out into the kind of the, the outline and things or yeah. whatever, just as it a, yeah. a, a listen. I think – I, I think you can listen to it both ways, and I think that uh, people will uh, will appreciate both ways, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, that, that was that was pretty badass, uh, you know. Especially, you know, I just love the fact that he's so realistic with uh, follow up question. <laughs> yeah, we did. well, we kind of, yeah, we kind of answered the asked the the one question. <laughs> Uh, you know, oh yeah, the people died on this. Yada, what do you yada. mean? They just, <laughs> yada yada yada. You know. Well, but, my uh, outline says sure. I'm going to ask you this, so I'm just going to let that slide. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, the rough scale whole thing. The 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 idea that um, you know, he's he's very honest with the. You find it or you don't find it, you know. Um, I think that field herpers would appreciate uh, that more than anything because I think it's similar to like breeding reptiles, right? When you see, when you're seeing people, whether it's on Insta, social media, or whatever, or YouTube, or you're watching the videos of people out there finding snakes and stuff, and even sometimes when they find stuff over and over and over again. They kind of like have that sort of, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, just another whatever. Right. And um, it makes you, you feel like they're it, right? just Where finding just them like- all over the place, you know. And it's it's that's not the case. And I get why they have to sort of edit around stuff like that because, you know, you can't have hours and hours of video that you're watching where you don't find anything because people probably won't tune in. But Right, they would have I to don't be know. a very particular same mindset as that – yeah, I'm sure the audience yeah. is smaller. I but I also would I would I'm sure the audience is not zero. You know, it's a non-zero number. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot. Uh, 
you know, the casual person yeah. is just hoping for the, the picture of the, you know, that, that great, great photo or the amazing, I mean, shoot, you think I'm jumping to mind with the Matt Somerville, Jake Manny, you know, uh, natural herb keeper trip, right? 14 green pythons or whatever it is that it's like, yeah. well, there's a reason that I said, uh, Tiffany was showing me the other day, right? That, uh, there was somebody, you know, constantly green pythons are, they apply weird filters. So they look purple with white scales and stuff where it's like truly, you can obviously tell that the photo is just manipulated in terms of the, the colors that are being color spectrum being shown. But I mean, they're amazing snakes. So I can see why that happens really commonly with them because they're already amazing looking. And then the notion that you would have a video where you saw 14 of them or whatever, you know, and all this stuff, but they'd be yeah. just as likely to post, you know, well, we, you know, looked and didn't see anything, but um, yeah. 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 I don't know, super instructive and, you know, to the casual person, yeah, you have to have to have the snake at the end. But Mark's stuff, yeah, right? There was no, that was his whole point with his show, right, was that he wasn't going to fake stuff. And I think right. that's just the credibility associated with that is is paramount, you know, and combined, compared to even, you know, if we look at the contemporaries, um, you know, even Steve, I don't think was was necessarily as clean on that stuff and whatever. And there's... You know, as young kids, we'd probably be bummed out not to to see the you know the quest of the quest of the show, right? Even if it wasn't maybe as legitimate in terms of the presentation. But um, now, man, the respect for for Mark having that approach to the whole thing is unreal. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you just brought up the um, uh, the trip uh, with the natural herb keeper. Uh, crew uh, went up and uh, saw in the Cape York. They found that uh, I think I want to say Jake Manny posted it up, but um, it was uh, I'm sure you probably saw it too. The undescribed species of monitor that they found that he was just calling like right. a Cape York rock monitor. Yeah, um, man, the, trist that's, the green tristacy thing. Yeah, yeah. What's your? So that's from your... I think that my my impression is that's from a very specific area that's in that sort of that same pygmy banded python. Um, it's up that way, right? Ricky's seeing him in yeah. that same spot. So it's somewhere between uh, Gelatin and Cooktown. Um, there's a, and I, my understanding is it's a particular sort of rock formation deal that uh, that they're occurring on. We've had a handful of folks post those photos. They're definitely a, a different thing, probably almost certainly related to the Tristis stuff, but definitely different um, and endemic to a particular very particular spot, uh, a spot that I'd love to go to, you know, yeah, when we go, <laughs> when we go on our own green python venture or trip up from Cairns to, I definitely want to stop in Cooktown. And if we had the opportunity to visit that area and see those, that would be incredible. So yeah, yeah. definitely something that jumps to mind. Yeah. The other thing that stood out to me, I don't have a picture of it, but, um, the, uh, uh, the, the one uh, gecko that he found that was on the rock and you know it's like yeah it's so that's like, that's per, that particular black rock area that's on the way that uh national park or whatever right that is on the way to cooktown how it blends in unreal camouflage yeah. so yeah. it's just that. nuts it's like what i think they were talking about it on the uh aussie herp podcast if mm -hmm. i'm not mistaken when jake manny was on there um or maybe it was matt summer it was one of those guys were talking about that uh yeah, I don't know. They've, yeah, they've both been on in short order, but uh, 
I think it must have been. I think Matt's was before the trip, so yeah, I think it would have. I reckon it was Jake's um, when he was on there. But yeah, that's another cool spot. And actually, that's a spot that when we went that first time, that Scott was Scott had said, "Hey, if you can you can make your way up there, that'd be a place to consider." But you know, we were just feeling our way out. You know, the, the first trip, <laughs> first time. You we're know, we're amateurs. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, we kind of have a different approach now. And, and all that but uh, definitely a spot a cool spot with a lot of is it that's not the only endemic critter to that that area it's very unique habitat yeah 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 and uh i don't know just cool that uh you know finding different species and things that are undescribed and stuff that's still happening there is uh it's pretty cool you know so yeah. it's, it's, it's cool stuff but uh yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, it kind of re- reminded me of, uh, I don't know, Aki a little bit or whatever. But uh, it's cool, it's cool, different right. head. Well, though, it's the know, same sort of deal, right? The, where they're all, they're all fairly tight to each other. And I mean, heck, you could, you know, put. Uh, it would require actually getting genetic work off of them, and even having them super in hand and getting really detailed photos on the physiology of them to to really make a guess. I'm just when I say Tristis type, that's just my guess. Certainly they're, you know, they have a relationship that's not all that distant. All those Adatria are not all that distant from one another. They're just radiated into different habitats and, and work from there. Yeah. Actually, I do have a picture of it. I didn't even realize that I did. Hold on. I'll share it just so uh, people can see that gecko that I'm talking about. But if you're not a, uh, subscribed on YouTube to, uh, the natural herb keeper, what are you doing? But that's it. Black mountain gecko. Yeah. You see it here. It's like, where is it? And then you got to right. like, you know, so like, perfect. that's just nuts, man. You know, but, uh, and I thought it was pretty cool how we found that cassowary just crossing the river. You just sort of chilling out, you know, uh, with the two They're chicks. Beautiful birds. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's a dinosaur, Very man, similar. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So cool stuff. Uh, but uh, they're they're uh, herping uh, the Cape York Part Two uh, was uh, was pretty cool, so you should check that out. Part One was uh, I believe all the uh, green trees, uh, so which is pretty cool but, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, but <sighs> it's been a long day. Long yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, just. I don't know, man. I, I started to worry that I have Lyme disease or something because I've been so tired as of late. I'm like, freaking Rob jinxed me, man. He right. came out here and talked all about Lyme disease. Now I'm exhausted, tired all the time. Like I can't get out of bed in the morning where I used to just pop up. Now, you know, uh, like, oh, man, it's like, holy shit. But more not a uh, just, you know, those ticks generally. I wasn't even that into, man, I think the meat thing would be a bigger in some ways a bigger deal to me it's easy to say now you know with the, from the um the fortunate position right now of having to deal with of not having to deal with it but that uh, that would be a, a massive bummer yeah not being able to eat meat again yeah it would, yeah. would be sh- that's sure. like madness but uh no it's, it's and shoot they're just with is this year exceptional i mean the part that blows my mind is what i've been four or five years in a row or something. And it was only last year that we really started talking about this. And I'm just sort of like, 
man, the, the luck of the ignorant, you know, on my first three trips or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, man. Well, you're okay. You went home fine. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> then when I was finally worried about it, I wound up, you know, with some crazy poison ivy under my skin and stuff last year. Yeah. yeah. Bananas. Lack of sunlight. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. Days are getting shorter. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I was just it's taking a toll on me the past couple couple weeks, but uh you know, but what are you gonna do? Keep pushing along. I'm just gonna do it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, the uh um oh yeah, I already told I think I, I think I talked about this, but um uh the uh blue tongue skink that i got from uh justin by the way if you want a uh if you're into uh if you're on the fence with blue tongue skinks um and you're wanting to pull the trigger on one and you know you want to get a decent one you should hit up uh hit up the good dr drew lander australian addiction reptiles because uh he hooked me up with one and they are freaking fantastic man they're so cool cool, (laughs) but uh straight up addicted to those hornworms, man, like unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy how much it loves those things. Well, um, you were saying it was going in for the, the veg, right? And then it was going in for, um, so what, what was it taking before? Like when I had come and then you, you fixed up the egg and it, you know, went in, you really soft boiled that egg and it went in, <laughs> it went in. <laughs> on that yeah. much, it did uh, the egg. Loves bananas, that's uh, for sure. But I know you're not supposed to give them a lot of a lot of that. But bananas is one that uh, would go after all the time. We'd eat some of the veggies and stuff. I did start feeding it uh, some of that um, rapashi. I think it's uh, some kind of blue tongue skink diet thing. You kind of they would eat that, okay? Basically, like a gelatin, and you cut it up and kind of you know put it on there. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does that okay, but man, nothing like those friggin' hornworms, man. That it's so crazy, man. They must they must taste like cheeseburgers or something to them or whatever, you know. I don't know, but it's crazy. Yeah. It's That's crazy. awesome. Yeah, I think it's you know cool to try different stuff. You know, we were looking at the a vendor that you're getting all those that you get bugs from regularly, and it was like, well, let's see what they have, man. Yeah, try some different stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that's perfect. I mean, my dad is almost up and running with his um, um, uh, collection or not his collection, his uh, colony of uh, right. doobie roaches. Yeah, so he's doing pretty good with that. Um, I I don't think he realized the whole frog thing and the fruit fly thing. <laughs> like, but uh, I tell you, man, it, that is it is the one. It's not hard. Um, yeah. you know, it's like a lot of this stuff where it's not hard, but it's consistent work and. Kind of the, the fruit fly bummer, man. I've yet to meet someone who can Goldilocks it, right? You either, in order to have enough, to ensure you have enough, you have to have too much. And that's that's its own kind of bummer. And just constantly, you know, every week you're doing stuff and whatever. And, um, yeah. you know, it's sort of the nature of the beast. But he's enjoying them. The frogs oh, yeah, at least. oh, yeah. He, he loves that thing, man. He thinks they're the greatest thing on, you know. Yeah. Again, it... it you know, it, it's weird how the thing, you know, I try to connect the dots in this stuff. And I think that, you know, between you talking to me about it and then seeing my dad actually doing that whole, like having these fantastic display cages, which I should have took you to see them. I don't know why I didn't. We drove by there. I should have just stopped right. off. Right. Well, we're getting a Steve's steak, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, it, it's just it, it's cool to, uh, to to see him enjoying that and, uh, you know, having that, you know, this is what we all got, right? The whole kid yeah. thing, you know, just staring at the cage and looking at what's inside and being fascinated that you got this little little private window into nature, if you will, if you do it right, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, man, he's got that frog thing hooked up. Man, he's got a green. Well, it doesn't. It does help that he has like a super green thumb. Like he right. is like dialed in. It turns out that um, I may have it too because my sister was over, and all the plants because she's like this plant person or whatever. And like all the plants that we both got, like the Australian stuff and whatnot. Mine is like growing like crazy. Hers is not. You know, I don't know if it's that room that I have them in. Like, I'm lucky that I have that room with the heat, the humidity, you know, lights, perfect, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We'll see what happens in the winter. But um, I got this carnivorous plant from Australia. Yeah, man, the thing is growing like crazy. And I didn't even feed it. It's just eating the bugs from outside, you know. So it's it's great. It's pretty cool. Um, But, but yeah, good stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. But give me one second. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. Yeah. So uh, the idea was is that I would try to get um, you know these naturalistic enclosures with Australian reptiles to sort of have what they would possibly have, you know, in 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 their environment. So like, uh, you know, I'm thinking diamond pythons with these beautiful Australian ferns and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I have a couple species going and, um, yes, yes, grow fabulous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it's cool stuff. Cool stuff. And, uh, it, again, it, it's that thing where you sort of open up your eyes to the whole cosmic octopus and, uh, you know, things kind of go from there and you can kind of go down so many rabbit holes. Um, but, uh, good stuff. Um, uh, there's a specific type of, um, pothos, uh, that, uh, I think it's a sea bell blue or something like that. That, that stuff seems to, I'm growing that like crazy and you can kind of propagate that stuff from, uh, clippings and stuff like that. So instead of using like, uh, what about multi-species cages? Hmm. I don't know. I, you know, maybe at some point that would be cool. But uh, I want to try my hand at the uh, what do you call it first. Let Let's get some of these enclosures going, and uh, you know, I guess it's Seems one like of those. Some of the Australians have the <laughs> more not not spin effects, but stuff that's closer to that, right? I was looking at I forget somebody on Instagram, right? Somebody in Australia was. It was actually, it was a black soil setup similar to uh, the stuff that Matt. Matt, you know, has in that. But it was it was a Matt. But uh, it, and it, I don't think it was spin effects, but it was something with a similar look. But I know that was something you had looked into trying to get and you couldn't find kind of an equivalent thing here. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently I was talking to Luke about it and um, he said that they have a hard time finding it as well. So okay. I don't know. I might have to settle for some fake spin effects or something. something. Right. But uh, I think of like my dream with that is to have like an Amy eye and mm-hmm. have it set up, 
and have one of you know a couple of spin effects bushes in there and you know at night that thing come crawling out you know that's that's sort of the the dream uh if you will but uh i don't know what it is about those they're cool they're badass little gecko. the thing they're that it is gecko. is they're they unreal looking they're little aliens man <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know how anyone could look at that thing and not be fascinated right in some way you know even just like wow that's bizarre at a minimum yeah yeah but yeah and it's like, like that species i have never had but i've always found that way at some point have you kept any knobs at all any knob tails? Yeah, I had gotten the Pro Exotics original collection when they were getting out of them. Um, but, the, you know, other than that, then um, not really. And that was all basically Levis stuff and Bill Brent's back. So it was stuff they got from Casey and was already kind of his retired stuff or whatever. But um, only briefly and not, not much of the rough stuff. So Amy, I, and Asper and even the wheeler eye are beautiful. Something yeah, like it's true. Some, yeah. 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 is definitely uh, a gecko on the list, but there's so many species, man. There's so many different types and yeah. Um, I was, that one I was excited. Is beautiful. Man. Yeah. yeah, man. And I was it's excited not, about not that. A Western spinifex type, but yeah, man, uh, talk about uh, the blackhead stick turning into a, fantastic yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i know i had to i had to make some kind of saving grace at that moment you know well, my rep was on the line man it's like the only snake i found like uh, i gotta do something i gotta put right. something out uh it, but that's uh, the sort of thing though that then makes you wonder if like it's the anti oh well i'm noticing that you know i'm not seeing anything but i did see that inch long bug it's it's the opposite where it's like well we randomly stopped for something else or what we thought was something else and wandered about around a bit and then sure enough found this amazing thing and it, <laughs> it's the anti where you look at it and say like well maybe we're just flying past all this other cool stuff if we if we just walk yeah it, it would be yeah yeah 100 percent. but uh yeah that, that's definitely uh, a, a species of gecko i'd like to work with for sure would be uh be those I, I think the cool thing about working with those those species like that like uh you know small you can keep it in a naturalistic cage and it doesn't necessarily take up as much space as like, you know, uh, carpet python or something like, you know what I mean? So you get rid of a, a couple carpet pythons and you can kind of make the space and to, uh, sort of have like, uh, you know, a couple, uh, well, displays, displays with that kind of stuff in it. So yeah, man. Um, uh, yeah, I think the thing to Justin's point right on the multiple species cages, there's a couple different ways to, to take it right. And, if you're looking at the dirt for our world, there's a lot of condem condemnation to that, right? In terms of the potential for hybrid offspring and these sorts of things. So you kind of look at it, are we saying to keep like different species that are kind of the same organism, right? So uh -huh. different species of the same genus or of similar genera, or are we talking about like our bottom layer has an amii and the top layer has an Owen polypython, you know, and maybe there's <laughs> a water feature too that has a, you know, a fly river or some, you know, one of the long neck turtles right. or something like that. And it's like, I, those are kind of two different things. And you certainly, then you're worried about the, oh, I'm probably giving a go to your AMI or something, but uh, having a, having yeah. a beat. I'm but, trying to uh, recreate the, uh, the picture I have over there in the corner of, uh, um, that, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, the, the painter, tell Hicks. uh, tell Hicks. Yeah. Where it's the bread, the Bradley with the, uh, the AMI right there, you know, 
It's like, yeah, yeah so it'd be I, cool, but I don't know how long that would last in there. <laughs> yeah, and who knows? Maybe, maybe it'd be fun. You know, maybe there yeah. isn't um, predation or whatever. It's it's just increasing variables. You know, I'm not uh, fundamentally against it really in either context, and even particularly at zoos and even pet shops and things. Maybe it makes sense to do the even where they are just different species of dart frogs in the same genera that yeah theoretically well you don't have to let the eggs hatch and you don't necessarily have to um you know release those offspring and all those different things but just the visual the stunning visual right if someone walking through a zoo and there's all these different colors of frogs hopping around and stuff uh, the impact that can have has its own tremendous value so i think and you know whether that it's that or the tail hicks picture i think both those things can can have a ton of value just, I mean, it's tough. <laughs> I think to get to where it's one of those things that it's a, a great concept, but uh, to do. Yeah, I think you'd have to have uh, sort of like I sent you that video of uh, uh, you know uh, Ubir or whatever, and, and you know just uh, seeing that whole rock formation or whatever, and kind of like, yeah, that would be cool if that was a cage. You know, you probably could keep it that way <laughs> if you right. had something like you know, even just a. a so even the size of those rocks, if you had rocks that big or whatever, you could probably, uh, sure. you know, do something in a room type enclosure type of thing. But, uh, um, wow. Earl was out, uh, chasing black bears out of his trash. Okay. All, All right. right. <laughs> so that sounds like an exciting night, man. <laughs> I'd rather, uh, come across, uh, cassowaries than, uh, bears, but, uh, I seem to do okay with coming across the bear. Uh, so we yeah. all survived. So lived another day. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. Cool. I don't know, man. I don't know if you want to hit on anything else. We're at like an hour and a half. We could, uh, you know, uh, keep going or call. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Or... I'm, I'm good either way. If you, if you got stuff to chat on or if people have, I don't know. Let's see. They got any questions or anything out there in the, uh, in the YouTube world, I have a crazy idea. Build a giant bioactive morning gecko enclosure with uh, hundreds of them. And then when the green python hatch, just release them in there. Okay. Yeah. They probably would eat all those morning geckos, right? <laughs> yeah. I, think. I mean, you think so. Certainly oh, wow. I, I fed them morning geckos for sure. <laughs> yeah. So no worries there. Perth Zoo has beardies, frillies, shinglebacks, western blue tongues, and a few others in the same area. Cool stuff. Yeah, that would be cool. The resources yeah. to do that, obviously, are maybe a little bit different than what you know, the average what? person has, but uh, totally fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I would like to see a couple of uh, – I mean, we saw Crocosaurus Cove, but um, – I think it would be cool to see a couple uh, Aussie zoos, uh, see what they got. Yeah, going on I mean, even there. in the you know Cairns area, it'd be interesting to see the place that Matt works at. And I know um, there's another yeah. guy, Joe, right? So it was up, seems to be up that way. Who we see on the things that, um, you know, I think maybe works at the same place we're used to. So just yeah. a little time, right? And you want to that 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 at least is a good a good break from it. You know, you can get a little. Aircon, as the Aussies say, and you, you know, do that during yeah. the middle of the day on ice, you know, ice break. Yeah, mix, mix a meat, an ice break and a meat pie, meat pie or a, a burger, or you know something. Yeah, yeah. sausage roll. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have. I don't have too much that I was gonna hit on. Um, I did. I did have a couple of. Uh, so if we want to uh, real quick show some uh, some carpet stuff, um, I did. Uh, I was perusing around, and uh, our buddy Darren Whitaker. Um, if I can find it, hold on. Let me find the outline I did because. <clears throat> how's that? Carpets and coffee. Here we go. So. Um, He's doing a lot of like cross stuff with these uh, pepper um, gene. And uh, this snake just, I, I mean, I know, I, I guess I think about the, uh, the, the uh, show that Justin and Chuck did with, um, you know, not having any love for the uh, um, mutts, if you will. You know, <laughs> but uh, this is, I guess, an albino Darwin. It's double head for silver pepper and albino. Um, I don't know, man. I just it's thought that was a snake. cool looking snake. You know, I was like, wow, yeah, that's a cool crazy. looking carpet. Um, I don't, that kind of reminded me of a Duns Python kind of with black eyes. <laughs> I don't know. That was mm -hmm. uh, a, a caramel. Uh, caramel pepper, I think it is. Yeah. So that's uh, coastal and yeah. inland. Uh, obviously, there's that crazy uh, mesh of stuff, but uh, I don't know. Those two sort of stood out to me as like uh, it's kind of got that Darwin head stamp going on. But some of the stuff Man. that he's posting is just crazy. I guess a lot of that, um, like the uh, silver pepper stuff that he's been combining with zebras and jags and caramels and hypos and all kind of different genes and mixing it up and seeing what's what. But uh, you know, if you follow Morelia by design, you can see some of the crazy stuff he has going on. But I don't know. There's it. Well, you know how I am about stripes, but that that snake just seemed cool to me, and I think uh, people would be happy to have that as a pet. I mean, I guess because it's het silver pepper too is probably cool. But um, I mean, it's just uh, visually stunning. I mean, that's the funny thing to me, right? Is always um, even amongst folks that are against more of said it's. I think to some extent, really, it's about, you know, just a lot of those folks are feeling like people aren't appreciating the animals for what they are uh, intrinsically, right? It's in going exactly to Chuck and Justin's conversation, right, of saying, well, what's happening to the things that are the, the un, you know, the less desirable offspring that are produced from there. Right. You know, I, I, I totally get that. But at the same time, I've, even amongst that crew of folks who are, you know, against mutations, yeah, we talk about it and they still love to have beautiful, beautiful animals. You know, they're still always yeah. looking to find the most beautiful one that they can have and all this stuff. And I don't think there's any problem with that, but, but no. uh, it's, it's a fact of the matter that it's like, Oh, you still want a visually stunning animal. And, and even then we might disagree about what are the most visually stunning ones, or maybe, you know, I started by thinking it was this and my, my views changed over time. And now I think it's something else and the same happens with them. So, um, you know, it's not to say it's a fixed point, but whenever we get into that conversation, it's like, yeah, well, everyone wants a really what they a beautiful to them animal, and that you know can change over yeah. time. I'm, I'm sure. I remember your your first carpets, right? Where those mixed carpets that then you toss together and whatever. But I, man, I, I'm sure you thought they were beautiful. You might look at it differently now, but they were still beautiful to you at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, 
It's funny, you know, just the idea of having a carpet python was kind of just amazing to me. You know, when I got my first carpet python, the fact that I was able to sort of just have a carpet python was 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 cool enough. You know, I didn't really care what it was. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was a mix, a mutt, a jungle diamond. Didn't I think it actually was jungle diamond, but right. it didn't matter, you know, because it uh was uh was just cool on its own and uh I I enjoyed that snake for many, many years, you know, and uh, and I, I've said this story a million times, but that's sort of the thing that drew me to carpets. It's like, you know, I had all these different reptiles yeah. and when I got divorced, I sort of had to like, you know, that's just like the ultimate collection screw you type of deal where you sort of have to move all this stuff. And, you know, it's one thing when you're moving from a house to a house, but when you have no house lined up and you kind of have mm-hmm. to exit stage left it, it kind of makes it difficult of what you're going to do with that so i'd improvise and take it to my parents house which you know wasn't insulated or anything like that so i kind of i've kind of put them down in the basement and you know I, I had heating lights and tried to heat them the best and you know all kind of crazy contraptions trying right. to keep the you know the, the heat in as much as i possibly could and um the carpets never missed the beat no respiratory right. infection, nothing. They were perfect, shed perfect, all this stuff. And, uh, um, you know, all my other pythons and everything else just crashed. And I was just like, what am I doing, man? Like, these right. snakes right, right here one- is where it's at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these are these are pretty cool. So This can fit my style, you know, or at least to the situation that I'm in. And you appreciate that in the long run. So, Yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. Uh, I thought it would be interesting, uh, real quick. I, I this is what we'll close with, right? I, I sort of have that um, that article. Uh, well, not article. It was just sort of taken out, but it talked about humidity. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, this is sort of something that me and you have, all, have always chatted about because the difference between the humidity here as opposed to the humidity there, uh, you know, you're out in Colorado and I'm in Pennsylvania. It's like night and day different, you know? And, um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where in the past I have said that, uh, I don't think that carpets need humidity, but then going to Australia and seeing how humid it was, we're finding those gelatins. It was like, holy shit, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this does, uh, you know, help uh, somehow with the animal. And and the thinking was, is I think me, you, and Chris have sort of talked about it at the time, was, um, you know, Chris brought up the point of, you know, during the wintertime, people run humidifiers so that, the, you know, they're, they're all their nasal passageways and lungs and, their, you know, all, all that all gets um, real dried out. There's a, a certain amount of moisture that's necessary to keep everything working appropriately. And then too much is bad. And then the uh, interactions yeah. with heat, for sure. Yeah, 100%. I think that's, and that's I right. Think, uh, I, th- I think that the humidity thing, and I sort of posed it in our little chat with Keith and all, and you know, Matt, uh, Matt having uh, sort of uh, humid-loving uh, yeah. Borneos and short tails and stuff. Um you know, is is that I think people have this misconception a lot of times where they they think humidity is wet, where it's not necessarily wet, and um, uh, yeah, it's wet air, I, not you know, yeah. wet air, yeah. not wet 
these superficial wet conditions that can cause, or, you know, like, I think the thing with carpets, right, is that they're so um, resilient to a lot of stuff compared to other stuff that's less resilient, that right. they're tolerant of a broader range of things, right? And that's why we can say, take sort of that view that, oh, well, carpets, it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, it's not to say that there isn't something that's better and something that's worse. They're just resilient. <laughs> right. Whereas other yeah. things will punish mistakes, you know, far, far AKA more. AKA black, uh, white lips. Any <laughs> of the <laughs> stuff, right. You know, whether it's white lips or ring pythons or whatever. Yeah. You can't do that. You know? So, uh, I thought it would be, I'll just read this, uh, little, little excerpt that I had. And it was, um, it was from, um, a paper by Todd, uh, uh, Dreiger, Dreiger, I think it was Dreiger's, um, and, uh, respiratory diseases, diagnostics and therapy in snakes. And, um, the thing, this little excerpt that he has in humidity, it says humidity also affects thermoregulation and is critical for the respiratory health of large tropical snakes. High humidity holds heat, whereas dryness allows heat to escape. Tropical rainforest temperatures rarely drop below 75, and in areas inhibited by large snakes, temperatures are rarely over 90. Thus, daily temperature ranges are often as little as 15 degrees Fahrenheit, and um, you know fluctuation. In contrast, desert temperatures uh, variability is greater because water vapor is not available to uh, accumulated heat, and thus 40 degrees. Fahrenheit or more daily daily temperature fluctuations are common. Uh, dry cage environments also experience significant temperature fluctuations when external heat sources are turned off at night, which is something that I didn't think of. Uh, when snakes are sub, uh, subject uh, subjected uh, to repeated periods of temperature below their uh, POTZ, uh, I'm I'm guessing that's that's their yeah preferred thermal zone, something like that. There you go. <laughs> uh, immune suppression can occur, making them more susceptible to infectious diseases. When tropical snakes are kept in a dry environment, uh, it's, oh my God, my glasses. Uh, in, uh, where, now I lost my spot. When tropical snakes are kept in a dry environment, insensible water loss is also greater. Oh shit, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. Um, the viscosity of respiratory secretion is increased, and these secretions tend to accumulate in the respiratory system. The accumulated uh, secretions increase the risk for acute tracheal obstructions and bacterial growth. Likewise, desert species kept in human environments may have alterations in the respiratory secretions or respiratory uh, that, uh, that make them more susceptible to bacteria respiratory disease. Uh, thus, it could explain the by seasonal uh, incidence of mycoplasma pneumonia seen in desert tortoises that occurs uh, following the monsoons. Hmm. Is that wild tortoises that that happens? Seemed like it in that context. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Just a cool yeah. little tidbit. And it brings to mind, right, the, the notion that, you know, we you read particularly well step one congratulations earl's exotics on the getting a clutch from your first carpet right you know yeah, from that that's cool that you got. that's awesome <laughs> full circle um, yeah full circle and then getting back into the question what it reminds me of right is that folks the kind of weird or at least sort of unique um unique husbandry assumptions and presentations from 
uh, the 80s into the 90s where people would say, oh, you can't keep water bowls in with rosy boas. And that's probably born of people who are in places with a higher ambient humidity, right, that is situating it to if there is that water sitting in what is already a more humid environment and their predisposition to drink and available water and all these different things. Whereas here, I always keep a water bowl in with rosy bows, but no problem. You know, it doesn't cause any issues, but you in your spot, maybe it would make sense to, you know, only have it in there a couple days a week, this sort of thing. Senecolis are traditionally do even my experience with them when I lived in Michigan was, was not good. You know, they obviously weren't doing well. So I sent them back to the guy in, Corpus Christi, you know, that I'd gotten them from, you know, just sort of, they're not doing well here, take them back. Now I have some, and they're doing just fine, you know, and I think that is a reflection of the the ambient humidity and saying like, okay, if you're in a place that is dramatically different, right? What it, we were kind of chatting through it and it's like, okay, if you are in a place with lower ambient humidity than what's required, you can do, you can do things to help with that in terms of either a whole, hu- whole room humidifier or in terms of the particular conditions of the enclosure if you're in a place that's higher than what's required i think you're going to have some issues unless you're talking about stuff that you can set up the conditions to uh, decrease that humidity which is often going to be just uh dry heat addition of dry heat you know in terms of like high high uh, impact um bulbs and things that so monitors and uromastics and maybe maybe tortoises um but in terms of being able to heat that um heat that space in a way that dries out the conditions right people always talk about making beef jerky machines as though that's a negative but if you were trying to keep desert species in florida maybe that's something you would have to consider yeah i think that's one of the uh you know talking to so many different people over the years, I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've uh, learned over all the 10 years of NPR is that whole, you know, uh, it's one thing to sort of have an idea of, uh, of, you know, the natural history of an animal and you sort of want to try to dial in your uh, conditions to, to that. But I think a lot of times this uh, plug and play sort of, um, uh, idea that, uh, you know, you put a hot spot of this, you, you put a, you know, an ambient temperature of X and you're going to be okay, but not taking into account, um, the, where you're at <laughs> and, and what the, the room that you're going to put that reptile in, what the conditions are in that room, you know? Um, and I think, you know, it's the struggle is here during the winter time is probably the struggle that you guys face, probably year round, I would guess, is that you have to sort of bump up the humidity some way because you're running these heaters and it dries the air out and make, and you can just feel the difference between, you know, uh, what it would be say during the summertime as opposed to what it is during the, uh, during the wintertime. And, uh, that's really when I sort of run a uh, humidifier in my room is during the winter when I know that the heat's kind of kicking on to sort of keep that ambient or, you know, like that ambient, uh, humidity in the room sort of pumping at that 60, 60 plus percent, you know? Um, so yeah. I don't know. So Crow Fabulous makes a really interesting point that, you know, metabolism goes through the Mexican tropics and stuff as opposed to, so intermediate was what, you know, we have here. And I think really, I just don't have exp- there. I only know of one person that had, a, maybe they had a parent wound up with a single animal of metabolism, but, uh, and that was 15 years ago. 
we just don't huh. have exposure to that in the same way. Well, Mexico being closed back for the most part, <laughs> don't talk to your Bronian and stuff and some of these rattlesnakes. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Who the heck knows about that? But just in terms of the way, uh, the way that goes and not an, not an issue certainly that you see in, um, you know, if we're talking about the Flavarufa, right? Pseudolapha Flavarufa, maybe it's changed now to something else, but uh, we don't, you know, see those same problems in terms of being susceptible in the same way, but something intermediate kept in conditions that are too, too ambient, too high of an ambient humidity, you'll see skin stuff, and then just general failure, failure to thrive, which may, may be born of, yeah, sort of airway issues along what you're talking about, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, that's cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's all I got, um, which kind of took us to almost very basically the two hour mark. So it, uh, that was good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll post it over in the uh, I'll post those uh, little excerpts over in the chat so people can uh, check them out and read them. And uh, yeah, uh, cool. Um, I guess for me, I would just say uh, yeah. Thanks for listening and uh, check out Colubrid and Colubroid Radio. Uh, that's the new yeah, one. That's really uh, good. If you yeah. uh, are into that thing, man, it's probably going to be. Uh, it seems that Colubrids are sort of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, we're on that cyclical circle where, uh, you know, <laughs> it's Colubrids are at the at the front at the moment, you know, but. Uh, yeah, it's just the movement away from monoculture into the, I think that's really the thing, right, is when people get into herpetoculture and saying, what, what's the exposure stuff? And a lot of, there was a lot of voice to say towards monoculture items. And then I think a lot of those folks have been exposed to the fact that there is a lot more other cool things. And, you know, yeah. that's not to say that the other things aren't <laughs> cool, but it is to say, you know, I think people got into ball pythons that just, definitely um you know looked at it and said like okay uh you know this is the thing that there is and didn't even realize that there were pseudolapha flabarufa <laughs> yeah yeah 100 you know, that's a thing that exists sure um, i wonder if um, i wonder if still use it but you know yeah i wonder if if um field herping played a part in that at all you know because like i think of uh you know not being able to really travel abroad for the past 18 months um, you know, maybe if you're finding a species in your backyard or you take a trip to Florida or something, or, you know, if you're out West or whatever the case would be, you see a species and, uh, you know, um, then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I didn't even know these were a thing. I, so many times in Texas, I was like, wow, I didn't even know these were a thing. And here we are <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, but, uh, I wonder if that maybe had, uh, any sort of, uh, impact on, uh, people's, say newer appreciation of uh species that were sort of under our thumb the whole time if uh you know right in front of yeah, our face I mean, if, if people are you know getting out and engaging it with an open heart you know and not looking at it as uh you know with disinterest or whatever how could it not yeah and so. i love garter snakes i love Ner nerodia you it's actually in that first uh episode right that uh zach and matt are talking and they uh, Zach talks about how much he loves Nerodian. I certainly do too. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After my stinky, bitey snakes, right? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but cool, 
cool nonetheless. I, I do think they're cool snakes, but uh, at um, least in moderation. Yeah. I've been, I, you know, as I said before, having a room full of, you know, having sixty of them might get a little bit tiresome, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably would smell not too pleasant either, you know. <laughs> Keeping right. the missus happy with that smell might be uh, might be a difficult feat for myself, but uh, you'll be busy. Yeah. <laughs> right on. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, so we got that, so check that out. And uh, I really didn't wasn't going to announce it until it was uh, officially up on Apple uh, Podcast, but um, it's up on Spotify, it's up on Google, so you can check it out. So. Uh, you could also just listen to it on the on the website or um, on uh, Transistor. Just look up Colubrid, Colub or Colubrid and Colubrid oh, Radio. I want to. I keep trying. I keep CNC. saying like, just, yeah, I think you get yeah, just well, gonna, it's become CNC. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I I wanted to. I I uh, I kept saying uh, wanted to say like how I say Colubrid and how Owen says. Colubrid. Mm. That's what I keep trying. I keep saying that in my head, uh, but that's not it. That's, uh, mm. Anyway, <laughs> great guys, great show. Check it out uh, and uh, good stuff. Um, as far as uh, NPR Network, uh, just follow us on Instagram and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, we'll be back at you next week with a bunch more shows. So good awesome stuff. stuff man. Cool. All right, dude. All right. Later, See you. See you.